Hey guys, Dominic Neshi here. Today we have another wealthy podcast with Sam Assad. Happy to be back. I've got to say that after the last podcast that we did, we actually had quite a lot of people asking more from you. So um, it wasn't my choice. They wanted you, so now you're here. I think um, the Melbourne versus Sydney is a, a, uh, is a uh, contentious subject. So um, I feel like people w- related and they like the... They liked a bit of... A bit of candor. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's a good response. Well, after that, you did uh, an article that got featured in the, um, like, news.com. It was on realestate.com. Yeah. It got circulated everywhere, and you did get quite a bit of publicity from that, and a a number of our clients got a lot of value out of it. It's good. Um, (laughs) Look, I think it's... um, Again, it's a it's a subject that uh, people have opinions about, and um, you know I, I got featured in this forum, and, and and people were disagreeing and agreeing. So it means that you know there, there's there's some truth to to what was said. And by the way, for all of you that are watching, if I look weird with my neck, I heard it this morning, so I look like a bit of a weirdo turning my whole body. It's because <laughs> of that. No, nonetheless, so we, after that trip, you, me, uh, and the team, we went to Melbourne to go to to visit your old town, to yeah. visit um, you know, Preston and Northcote, and we went up to Reservoir, and then we, we, we tri- travelled quite a lot of Melbourne. We covered some distance. We did. Um, and we got to see a lot of good quality stock, uh, not that much bad stuff, but yeah. a lot of good stuff. And um, yeah, I wanted to get your perceptions of it all. Like, yeah. how was that received and experience? Um, look, I think we covered a lot of ground. Uh, Melbourne's pretty spread out compared to, you know, dense Sydney. So <laughs> we drove a lot for the day. Um, but it was good to see, um, you know, uh, there's always, you know, developments happening in Melbourne. So it was good to see that um, there was new construction and, and, and to visit our sites um, for, you know, the ones that we that we consider for our clients, it's good to see them off the ground as well, and good to see firsthand of what's really happening in the area. Um, I'm from Melbourne, and it's actually it's it's good that you guys saw as well um, the local amenity and, and 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 you know the activity. So it was good being there with you because, um, like, I've been to Melbourne a number of times, but having your impressions uh, it was valuable because as we're driving through these areas. Sam's pointing out, like, oh, that was when I bought my first house, my second house. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, then I did this here and family's there. And yeah. it's good to get context about how an area sure. changes over time. For like sure. High Street, I, I talk about it often to clients, it's a very visceral experience. As you're going through, you can feel the difference of the shops, of the people, yeah. of the culture. As you go um, north, it becomes, you know, for want of a better word, less cool. Yeah, it's true. But you can feel that 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 general trajectory is going that yeah. way. That, that the culture is spreading outward from Absolutely. the city, and it, it's something that I want you to understand, the audience out there, because it's less of a statistical thing that's going to be pushing your property prices, and more of a qualitative thing. You know what I mean? Like, how, how can I articulate that another another way? No, I think it's I think you are right. Um, uh, you know, just going back to High Street. High Street. Um, you know, I grew up in an area called Northcote, and Northcote is off High Street. So I saw High Street 
you know, transform over the years uh, in, in, in the mid-2000s. Um, and you can just see it spreading to Thornbury, you know, welcome to Thornbury, to the Melvonians, they would know, and then spreading to Preston, and now it's spreading to, you know, Reservoir. And, and it's funny enough, it's reaching up to Epping where there's things happening down in High Street um, and it's, 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 it's expanding. So I think it just goes back to, um, you, know, what, you know, what we tell our clients that... You know that that ripple effect that we keep mentioning is is true because um, th- th- I think that's the beauty about um, you know the area. It's uh, th- sorry um, Melbourne being se- so centralised that the ripple is just it's it's just um, quite linear the way it's it's spreading um, and that means your investment strategies is 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 is, is, is I would say is pretty linear as well. So it's it's an easy way to, to invest as opposed to, you know, having, you know, many other subsidies and, 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 and hopefully working, you know, wanting something out of that. So it's a lot more simplistic. What's Welcome to Thornbury? Welcome to Thornbury is an old, I think, car wash or car park where every, I think, Friday or Saturdays, all these food trucks, food, um, uh, um, uh, I think... Uh, there's a pub there. They're now there, so all these food trucks go there, and becomes a big, a big thing on on nights where the, you know there's there's lights and um, it's a bit of a cool, cool, cool hangout at and, the moment. And what was that area like? Well, seven years ago or ten years ago. Well, <laughs> well, Thornbury uh, Northcote seven eight years ago was 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 dry cleaners and and really, you know really old cafes and. Um, it's just really service-based, you know. Suburban feel. Very suburban feel. And now it's become <laughs> the gold word, the golden word. Uh, gendrified. Gendrified, Gen- yeah. 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 So, And it's become, you know, a, a, anyone in their mid-20s, they want to hang out there. So it's, 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 it's changing. The trend's changed completely. You can feel it. I, 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 as Sam was saying, it, it is becoming cooler in these areas as the culture and the community changes. It becomes desirable. You know, there's something drawing you to Thornbury. And, and as you said, this this new um, nightly or weekly event is a reason why people now want to be there. I agree. Um, another interesting thing that I saw on our adventures around uh, Melbourne well, one thing was we said the area and your dad's impression was when we talked about like Wyndham Vale. Oh, and yeah, yeah. And, and he, he whistled. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, ooh. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> See, I found that interesting because, you know, in Sydney, we have gotten used to in many, many contexts and in many different uh, community groups to travel um, 50 minutes or 60, 70 kilometres out, and that's perfectly acceptable to sit on a train or a bus for an hour. And that's just become a way of life to say that, hey, I'm looking at buying a place that's going to be 45, 50, 60 kilometres away from the CBD. It's fine. Yeah. The population growth has determined that people need to travel out further in order to get good value and to go buy a block of land and to build a house and to live that more quiet suburban (coughs) life with all the amenity that a fan would want or family would want. In Melbourne, it's a bit different because if you're travelling 35 kilometres out of the CBD, yeah. someone old is going to whistle. They're going to go, wow, that's yeah. far. Well, it's funny because I have family that have lived out that way and it was always, and, you know, growing up in the inner suburbs, it always seemed like a trek. But from a value perspective, 
in Melbourne, you don't have to go out that far to find that kind of value. Whereas Sydney is 45, 50 kilometres to get something um, of some kind of standard with more than two bedrooms is the norm. So... Um, hence why the whistle, <laughs> but um, it's it's it, it comes down to you know uh, you know value of money and a proximity to the CBD, and being 20, 30 kilometers out from from Melbourne isn't necessarily far, but what I'm saying is you can get in and probably get you know something um, of value. Well, it's just so a Melbourne person traveling 30 kilometers out of the CBD feels scary to them. But in Sydney, when we're looking at those kind of distances, it's not that far. Yeah. And, and you're able to go buy a f- less than $600,000 house, four bedroom house, two bathrooms, two cars, and, you know, less than 400 square meter block. Yeah. It's a lot of really, really good value. So. For me, that Melbourne trip was a massive eye-opener. I got to see some of the stock uh, completed, some yeah. of the stuff that, like, just the finishes, the way the design looks. And it's very different when you look at a plan or a floor plan. And I've looked at thousands and you've looked at thousands and we often redesign them and, and yeah. you know, talk to developers to fix, fix them up. But it's very different looking at a floor plan and then going in and walking around it and experiencing it. For sure. Um, one thing that I noticed that keeps on now popping up and when I was there experiencing it, it was completely fine and I'm really now used to that type of design. But what's it called? The contemporary living design where you've got like a... Reverse living. Reverse living. Yeah. Please talk about reverse living because some of our Sydney clients are scared of it. So, look, it's not... It's a very un, you know orthodox way of, of, of traditional floor plans where... Bedrooms are upstairs, main living zones are downstairs. But in some um, in, in some developments or in, in newer developments, architects or you know designers um, have found uh, more efficient ways of optimizing spaces. So sometimes that might um, translate to you know having opposites or what we call reverse living, whereby bedrooms are downstairs and the zones, main living zones, are upstairs. Sydney clients just can't get their heads around it. They just find it very unusual. That's fine. I understand. Sometimes it's really hard to, um, you know, break away of a of, of, of a general sense of, of what normal is. But at the end of the day, uh, there's a contemporary way. It's a contemporary moving forward way of living. Um, and that from an investment point of view, it does not make a difference to your return. Returns are based upon, you know, bedrooms. Um, so whether your bedroom's upstairs or downstairs, it doesn't really make a difference. How many? It's how many. Exactly right. I had a recent client that I showed a, a, a really gorgeous townhouse um, um, out in Reservoir. And my client liked the townhouse, liked the finishes, liked the figures, which was, you know, what it's all about. But just didn't understand why anybody would want... Uh, their bedrooms downstairs so she turned it away I (laughs) I can't help but laugh but at the same time I don't think I can knock sense into uh, I can't reason with that sometimes because you know it's it's not about what we think 
you know, about what works. It's about the product and about the return of the product itself. So if there's something unusual, there's a triangle bedroom, okay, we get it. It's That is unusual. But it doesn't make a difference um, in, 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 in my, in my um, viewpoint. And why – I just had a thought, actually. Why would you want to buy something like everyone else? You know, if that's the way you want to think about it, then get a unique product. When you do eventually want to resell or hold on to it, your product will probably be unique compared to the ones that are traditionally being built and designed. True? I, I want to add – I agree. I want to add to that um, – Two things. When you're looking at an investment, uh, when you're looking at a, a two-bedroom, a three-bedroom apartment, what you're right absolutely comes down to how many bedrooms will determine the price and then the rent. Then the other thing you want to consider is where are these bedrooms located? The most ideal circumstance is those two bedrooms are away from one another. Because... Um, if you've got two bedrooms side by side, they, they've got a, a, a wall, they share a wall. Um, I don't know if any of you out there have had roommates, but some pe- roommates snore and you know make listen to loud music and there's all sorts of other reasons why you don't want to share a wall. <laughs> um, so what we suggest is when you're going to buy a two-bedroom or three-bedroom, you want the bedrooms to be separate. In this instance, the one that Sam's talking about, I actually like the floor plan because you've got a bedroom downstairs and a bedroom upstairs. So you've got two clearly defined zones, two separate bathrooms, two separate areas for you to sort of entertain and do your own thing. And to a person that's looking to rent it out, you've got multiple people that will look to rent. Like you and I could rent there. Yeah. I could have downstairs with Charlotte. You could live upstairs. Yeah, exactly. Um, you could have a, a, a young couple that will rent it, then have this home office. It's preferred. It's, it's desirable. Yeah, certainly. yeah, yeah. The other thing that's really interesting is a lot of the new contemporary design. So I worked before I uh, left th- or before I, I left Third Eye, a development company. They had these beautiful townhouses in uh, Piedmont and they've got bedrooms on different floors. You've got a bedroom downstairs. Yeah. You've got a bedroom on the middle level, two bedrooms on the middle level. And then you had another master plan floor. And the reason why they elevate the living area up high is because they want the living area to capture as much natural light as it sure. can. Ventilation. Um, it's, it's really important um, to have that, you know, have these kind of, um, you know, uh, amenities in, 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 your, in, your, um, in, in your property. Um, not... Not, not because um, it'll give you a, a major return, but it's in fact preferable that way that your zones are all separated and your main living zones are receiving a lot more of a, a natural light and, and, and less shadow and, 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 and more ventilation. So if the balcony, would you rather a balcony downstairs with the bedroom or would you rather a balcony upstairs with the living, zo- with the living zones? Where you spend most of your time. Exactly. So I think that that was just something that I'm, I'm finding um, a little bit funny, I have to say, with, with some Sydney clients. Some astute investors will tell me, well, I don't care, and, and they'll invest um, because it's not about what they do and don't like. It's about what it's meant to do um, and, what, and, 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 and the why and the reason why you've bought um, the property to begin with. I, I get it, though. Like sometimes yeah, when someone's funny. buying... You just have a feeling. You're for like, sure, for I don't, sure. I don't really understand it. I don't get it. 
Yeah, I had a recent client that said to me, oh, I just, that, that island is just not big enough. I'm a cook. And I said to her, but, but you're not going to live there. She's like, but I, I just know I, I need more space. I, I was just like, oh, we'll find more space. We will go and find <laughs> more space for you. And, and see, like, I understand when a client has these personal preferences that colour their criteria because wanting space to cook is good. You want to have space to cook. For sure. You know, wanting light and ventilation, these are all important. All of these different things will help colour your decision when picking a good investment because generally speaking, if you like it, someone else is going to like it. However, you don't want to take that too far. For sure. Especially when you're working within certain budgetary constraints. Because what happens is if you've got a list of 10 things, on that list as well, you've got to have budget, right? And at a certain point, uh, your price will determine how many of those things you can start ticking off that list. That's correct. If I've got $2 million, you can have a lot of different things. What were the um, the prices of those Alexandria townhouses that you were talking about? The Piedmont ones, yeah. they were $4 million. Crazy. <laughs> four million dollars. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so four million dollars. You'd think that architects SJB design oh, I think it was SJB design. Well, uh, they're one of the leading architects in mm. Australia. You'd think that um, there would be um, forward thinking with their designs and they, w- they won't be designing anything that's that's going to detract people from living you know, living, uh, you know living and buying these properties. So when a client says to me, oh, it's a bit weird, I have to say to you that, um, you know, this isn't your field. Um, just leave it to the experts and, 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 and trust that, you, you know, you're buying a decent product. I'm glad that was so politically done. I know on the inside you're screaming. I don't like... <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so that was really good. Melbourne experience, seeing the properties was great fun. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I'm finding particularly interesting is these new conversations that we're having with a lot of first-time mm. buyers and first-time investors. Yeah. Um, the reason why I bring mm. that up is we're literally being inundated with yeah. client inquiry. Yeah. And... We are having the same conversation over and over and over again. A conversation that I enjoy. And it's about us articulating the different options as best as we can. So I wanted to have it here with Sam. Yeah. Uh, so that we can then send some <laughs> of you back here to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for all of you Sydney uh, first home buyers or first time investors, you have a number of different choices available to you. The first choice is do you go and buy your own home? So go buy a property, you go live in it, and then just stay in there for as long as you can, and then eventually you'll trade up and do whatever. Um, We're not really talking to you because we want you to be buying investments. So that's fine. Now, if you decided that, hey, I'm going to go buy an investment, I want to go capitalize on all the government grants, I want to go and get the best return that I can go and get, live in it for the six months, get all the different incentives, and then move out, fantastic. The choice then becomes what can you go and buy for certainly less than 600000 or, you know, at the very maximum kind of that $750,000 price point. In Sydney, for $600,000, there's not, there's not a hell of a lot. You can get some really nice units. You can get some really nice apartments um, in the western suburbs of Sydney. 
You can also go and get uh, some nice terraces. Uh, you're going, you know, 30, 40 kilometers out to get a, a good quality terrace, but you may be spending sort of 650000 so you'll get some of those grants, stamp duty concessions. Mm-hmm. Um, but then where Sam and I have been uh, talking a lot is for that same purchaser, there's an opportunity for you to spend the same amount and look at other states. Now, Brisbane is certainly an opportunity. Canberra is certainly an opportunity. But at the moment, we're seeing a tremendous amount of value in Melbourne because the long-term story speaks volumes. Population growth, outstripping sure. Sydney, all of that kind of stuff. Um, what do you want to say to some of those clients, Sam? People that are now thinking about buying their first home and the scary thought about buying an investment or an own home in, in Melbourne? So I think these guys that want to have a chat with us mm. know, already know that they should be doing something. And they know that currently the market is going to surge with or without you being involved. So if you're having a chat with us, uh, what I want to say is there's a reason why you're there and there's a, a really good reason as to why you want to do this. I ask that you guys take our advice, take our lead, and more importantly, be a little bit brave in taking that leap. Because if it was easy, everybody would be investing in property. But with property, in, in investing in property, you know, there comes some sacrifice, you know, with your life. Some, some savings that need to go, you know, there's, there's things along the lines of that. But also, it's a scary decision. It's a big commitment. It's debt, et cetera, et cetera. But know that in a market that's simmering as it is with the expected, you know, forecast of these, these, these percentages that, that, you know, leading economists are throwing at us. 10, 20, 30% growth. I, and it's just an example. If you buy something at 600,000 um, and they say that's going to, you know, it's going to grow by 10%, 10% of 600,000 is? 60K. So let's just be conservative and let's half that. What's half that? $30,000. Well, you've made thirty grand in, uh, in, in your first year of investing and that's being very conservative. Where can you make $30,000, you know what, we, you know, putting some savings down elsewhere? You really can't. So trust the process. Trust that you're getting advice from people that, you know, kind of know what they're talking about. And, you know, it's a journey. And, and I feel as though that it takes hours of, 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 of you know, time spent um, and getting comfortable around, you know, the decision. We understand that. We have multiple investments. I don't we remember our investments. We, we've made some good, good ones and, 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 and bad ones. And, and I guess you just learn from that process. But just know that with or without you investing, there's going to be money be made this year. And I think you should jump on board. I agree. The worst decisions that I've made are some of the investments I didn't buy, which is annoying, but you can't harp on on those. It's probably made me a bit more aggressive than not now. For sure. Um, to those clients that you're looking to spend 600000 500000 you know, these are small, small it's, a lar- it's a, a large sum of money. It feels like it is everything to you, right? That's terrifying. I remember the first time I spent... $300,000, it was scary, very, very scary. And putting in your life savings to making this investment, taking that leap of faith, trusting people around you, it is terrifying. 
So we can't just, you know, I get it. I'm with you. I've been there before. I'm, yeah. I, I live it every single day with many, many first-time buyers. There's a great deal of relief that comes after that though. It does. After you've made that first investment, it feels fantastic. Yeah. Securing your tenant, getting everything working, collecting your rent, you'll quickly realize I was scared about nothing. It's about ticking as many of those criteria off, as many of those boxes as you can, boxes, and then just getting into the market. And it's a learning process. So you're going to, as much as we, uh, as much as we can educate um, our clients, they'll learn things along the way. And you, you know, you'll pull your socks up even further in the second and the third purchase, because you know now what this all entails. Um, and, and, and I feel that's where, you know, everybody really gets a bit nervous, which is understandably so. I had a client um, just bef- uh, before the weekend. I uh, feel like this is therapy for us, by the it's way. It's good because <laughs> we pull our hair. We've got a receding hairline for nothing. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. You were saying about your client on the weekend. So I, um, this client of mine really, really wanted to do it. Um, he said to me, let me have one last think about it. He was on the verge of, 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 of proceeding, which is great. I get a call from him Monday and, and he said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say no. And I said, why? He goes, oh, because my dad said A, B, C, D. I said, look, that's, that's completely fine. They're, they're valid points. Can I ask, has your dad invested before? No. Oh, okay. So are we taking advice from people that haven't invested? Because there's a reason why your dad didn't invest. Because number one, Let's not get into those reasons, actually. No, it, no, it no. It could be no. personal. But there's a reason why your dad didn't invest and didn't take that leap. Do you want to be like that person? And I'm, it's it's not personal and it's it's not rude in any way, but it's, it's, it's a reflection of you, you know, trusting, you know, a bit of the experts and having a bit of instincts. And more importantly is, is literally taking the lead and taking that leap you know, and, and start growing a portfolio for yourself because your dad doesn't have one and you don't want to be like your dad. Well, you know, there's a client out there that I'm talking to as well. We, yeah. we spoke to her um, and her mum and she's such a brave young woman, 23, I think, 24. Mm. Saves a nice size deposit and ready to make this leap of faith but then all of a sudden got really scared. Yeah, and yeah. I could see that with her many, many people started getting in her ears. Yeah. I had one person saying this, another person saying that, another person saying that, mom, auntie, uncle, boyfriend, cousin. Yeah. yeah. And it becomes a big mess because these are all people that you love and trust and you need to be able to sometimes remove all the noise. Just mm-hmm. remember that this is your decision. I remember buying my first property in Lakemba and when I was buying it, I had so many people teasing me, making fun of the fact that I was buying this property and um, was saying that it's a bad decision, that the area is this, that, or the other, or they didn't like the people, or they didn't like that, and the, 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 it was facing the wrong direction. And You've got to white out some of the noise because they're not making the decision, you are, and you have to live with the regret and you have to live with your decisions. The worst thing is taking somebody else's advice, you don't really respect it, but you made a decision at based out of fear and then you fuck it up. Because if you make that mistake, 
it's based on what someone else has said, someone else's nonsense. If you make a decision and then you make the mistake, at least you can own that decision and you can learn from your mistakes. So I'm just gonna say, draw some clarity, be a bit calmer, white out all the noise, take advice from people that you respect and from people that have done what you're trying to achieve. Bingo. Like I'll take advice from you because you've got a portfolio, you develop, you've done some really cool significant things in real estate. But I wouldn't take advice about real estate from... Eddie the expert. Eddie the expert, thank you. <laughs> um, can I, I want to bring it back to what we were originally talking about and that is uh, for Melbourne or people that are first-home buyers. As a Sydney first-home buyer, this is going to be a bit audacious what I'm about to say. But I, I, you know, some people that know me will know that I say some stupid things sometimes. Um, Charlotte's probably cringing as she's watching slash listening to this. Now, as a first-time investor, as a first-home buyer, if you're young enough in your career, if you're adventurous enough in your life, I would be taking this as an opportunity, as a potential op- a potential adventure. Go and buy in a, a Melbourne suburb that you actually will like to live in and move there for six months. Move there for 12 months. I know it's a bit crazy and it's not as simple as I'm just saying it, but it can be that simple. For sure. And if you do that, you're going to get 10000 bucks. you're going to get $15,000 from the government, you're not going to pay any stamp duty. So that's $25,000 in cash plus the stamp duty cost that you're saving, which is another ten twenty thousand dollars $20,000. Easily in Victoria, yeah. That's true. So there's about a, maybe a 45 to 50K in savings to maybe just live into something for six months. I mean, you you pay that to move overseas and then, you know, try to establish yourself, you know, in, in different countries. So... I didn't uh, think about that. That's interesting. Yeah. You're getting paid to go move yeah. to a beautiful well, city. Well, yeah, I know it's a, it's a big move to change up life, but just know that if you are from Sydney, you know, considering that, you're an hour flight from home. So (laughs) (laughs) you're not that far away. So really it's an opportunity. But I personally, Dom, don't like to push clients to go live live there because it's it's a big ask. It's a big stream. But if you want to save a bit of money and get a bit of money and and capitalize and utilize those grants, do it. You know, working from home now is is common, is preferred. Work from work from Melbourne. And, and look, if you're not as extreme as me and, and going to go on an adventure of in a lifetime, a once-in-a-lifetime experience to live in a city that you're being paid to move into, um, then do a Samsung. Maybe just go buy and invest over there. There's a very small window of opportunity now where the government is giving you incentives to buy That's in Victoria. Right. That's right. So it ends at the end of financial year, so end of June. 50% off of um, stamp duty for purchases was under a million dollars. Things capture, yeah. So 50% off stamp duty and for new property. Just to let you know, Victoria is actually uh, one of the highest stamp duty. Um, uh, I think in the country it's at five and a half percent, and ever I think everybody's relatively around four. So it's a considerable amount of savings if you want to, if you're wanting to buy. Um, and I don't think it'll come back. That will come back for a while. It was off the COVID depression that they had last year. So they're just trying to really stimulate, you know, the market again and get people, you know, out there and interested in, in, in buying. So, and I think it's great um, that, they're, that they're doing that because we're seeing clients are, are actually turning to um, invest into Melbourne um, then Sydney because of that, which is a reason why people, you know, actually invest because they want to 
they want to take advantage because, you know, something might, might replace that with another incentive, but I don't think it will be that good. And what do you think about all the recent banks, the different economists saying, you know, Westpac said, said something like 20% price growth over the next 24 months. Do you agree with all of these economists and banks? And I just think in general, um, if there's a, a common story that's being told, whether it's completely, literally um, right, um, I think, I think, I think yes, then, that there is going to be a surge in the market. I mean, no one has a crystal ball, but when econ leading economists and leading banks are all saying the same narrative, then then yes, it's it's a that um, you know it, it's going to happen, and that's going to lead to a sense of urgency of people buying, and sense of urgency leads to demand, and demand means appreciation of property prices all over. So, yeah. I think it's a bit different. Like consensus isn't always true because there was a, a minute there where during COVID people were predicting 20, 30% price drops. Now, the difference between all the economists saying that and this is, is this. Now, them predicting a, a 15 to 30% price drop is extraordinary and it involves you and me selling our properties at a 30% discount and every single investor and homeowner that I spoke to was not selling their property for 30% less because they didn't need to sell their properties. Now, with all the economists talking about 10, 20% price growth, it's a little bit different because it becomes in some instances a self-fulfilling prophecy. I've seen it before. When you've got the same message being spread over and over and over again, and then you've got the, um, the news reporters and then you've got podcasts like us spreading this news, it does create this fear of missing out. For sure. It does create this urgency. And then that's when you see um, the results like on the weekend, properties that are going half a million dollar of reserve, Crazy. 50 people turning up to an auction. Crazy. I, what year was that when... When uh, was it? When was the? When it was really? Was it 2017 or 2016? Where it was extremely stupidly hot. Yeah, 2016. Well, 15, we're seeing 14. All those. We're years. seeing those trends, you know, starting up all over again. And it's simmering. I like it, you're saying simmering because it is because it's going to get stupid hot, and people that wanted to invest now have to save up an extra whatever grand just to make up for the deposit of the appreciation. So yeah, if, it, if you're looking at if properties are going up, some of these pr properties, are Tom Panos had a property go five hundred thousand above reserve. That's an extra fifty k deposit that you come up with. Yeah. Or or if it's a twenty percent deposit, you need it's a hundred thousand dollar deposit. You're not going to save that unless you're earning massive money. Yeah. And that's why I'm actually pushing for off the plan purchases at the moment because I like the whole uh, very low commitment with off the plan. Um, you're buying at today's market prices. So whatever happens the next 12 months, whether it's 10%, 20%, 5, 15, you're going to be making money without a full commitment. And what I mean by full commitment is that you haven't gone, taken a mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. So look into off the plan because um, there's some really good advantages in a market as such um, as, the ones, uh, as the one that we are in today. Yeah, look, off the plan 
has its advantages and disadvantages. Sure. It's a investment tool like any other. I look at it as a property option or a property future. Yeah. Now, uh, people buy futures in grain, in gold, in all sorts of commodities, and they buy futures if they believe that the price is going to go up or down, and they can they can make a, a bid on what the price is going to do. Now, if if we genuinely believe that property prices are going to go up, it makes sense to go and secure a contract at today's value because in the future it's going to be worth more. Great, especially if you don't have to pay, as you said, the full commitment. Well, if 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 these articles are coming out with predictions, it could be your safest, low-risk kind of um, investment strategy that you could go for. It's kind of like a guarantee, but not almost a guarantee, that you're going to see some growth. It's not a guarantee. Investments are not a guarantee. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is that a a a a a, a bonus of something if yeah, in yeah, a market yeah. like uh, like such, you know. So it's not every day you see so no. many people you see such strong consensus. Well, yeah, that's 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 what it is. The narrative is very similar. Yeah, and look, even if you take all the fluff away, buying a good quality piece of real estate really doesn't um, set you too far astray. I agree. Okay, Sam and I could waffle forever. We're going to jump off the podcast. It was good fun talking to you, Sam. Likewise, Don. Thank you. Um, thank, to, thank you to all of you out there. Um, we do here. We, we, we capture all your responses. So if you have any questions, you want to see more of Sam, let us know and he'll jump back on the podcast. Um, and we hope to hear from you all soon.